Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors? But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring, boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you, you, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. This is Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. It's not every day that you get a chance to have a podcast that includes the people who are among the best in the world at what they do. And that's what we got going on today on the Baseballs and Boring podcast, fresh off the GM meetings, trucking our way back from the um, flu-infested GM meetings in Arizona. We have a good one today. It's a little bit outside the box, but it is one that you're going to want to listen to. And that is Dylan Cease, Obviously, one of the best pitchers in the world, Chicago White Sox ace, poet, as you can find out in the book, A Damn Near Perfect Game is included in that, and just a good all-around personality, and Paul McBeth, maybe the best disc golf player in the world, in the world, and how about this? The two of them, they're partners in building disc golf courses throughout the country, their partners in growing the sport, their partners in just having an interesting existence when it comes to this very, very interesting sport. So today, we have Dylan Cease, 
We have Paul Macbeth. We're talking disc golf. We're talking baseball with Dylan Cease's existence, obviously. Toward the end, we get really dive, take a deep dive into his how he feels about going into the 2024 season, which I know that everybody who listens to this podcast, they also want to hear. But they should also want to hear the journey that these two guys, these two friends are on and have been on. And as a special bonus, as a special treat, a new member of the Baseball Isn't Boring family, a guy that was just on the podcast recently, that's Reese Green. In case you forget, Reese Green was the guy, is the gentleman, is the talented individual who came into our world because of he had the best baseball Halloween costume, not even close. Randy Johnson with his girlfriend Alex uh, as the bird, which Randy Johnson uh, accidentally hit with a baseball. But you know what we're talking about. But Reese was on, played professionally in Australia, played professionally in the Czech Republic, is now a stand-up comic, and also now is easing his way into our baseball isn't boring family because great personality, great intelligence, great creativity, and in this case, just a great, great guy to have on with Paul Macbeth and Dylan Cease, and you're going to find out why. It is the perfect storm of personalities, experience, and anything else you would want when it comes to doing a podcast on the topic that we're doing the podcast on today. It's a good one. It's, it's, it's a fun one. Sit back, push aside all the baseball rumors for a second, push aside the chaos of the GM meetings, take a breath, finish off the week by listening to this. It is Dylan Cease, ace for the Chicago White Sox, is Paul McBeth, the best disc golf player in the world. And it is Reese Green, new member of the Baseballs and Boring family, and, of course, myself. All right, here you go. It's a good one. Take a listen. All right, this is maybe the best collection of people that I could ever hope for, in all honesty. (laughs) I'm not even lying. I'm not even lying. Reese, say hello so everybody knows your voice. What's up, guys? This is Reese Green calling in from Seattle, Washington. Thanks for having me on this. I really appreciate it. Nice to meet you guys, Dylan, Paul. Great to have you here. And uh, you just spo- nice you just you just spoiled it, Dylan. I mean, you spoil it, Reese, because now I have to introduce Dylan. Everyone's saying, "Wait, who's Dylan?" Well, Dylan, talk. Dylan Cease, what's going on? <laughs> Dylan Cease, nice to meet you. Happy to be here. There you go. Evidently, I looked it up. You can throw a frisbee uh, or a disc. I'm sorry. Is are you offended if I call it frisbee? No, you gotta ask Paul that though. He's he okay. uh, he's gonna, a little more in line with all right, it. All right. Well, you can throw it uh, well o- over 400 feet. Uh, so, um, I don't know about, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll say, uh, we'll say that. Yeah. And we'll throw them over 400. The, the, the internet never lies. <laughs> That's uh, right. Paul, Paul, off Wikipedia. <laughs> Paul, how are you? What's going on? I'm doing well. I am doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, listen, it is, like I said, it is such an honor and I don't know. Um, it is such an honor because you, all you guys have excelled and I've excelled in nothing. Zero. Like I was, <laughs> I, my hometown, they invented the fried clam. Essex, Massachusetts. Um, but other than that, not a lot of street cred. I wrote a book with Joe Kelly that Dylan carried. Thank you, Dylan. Um, <laughs> Only one chapter. I mean, uh... oh, well, it was an important chapter. It's, it's, it was, a, it was, I appreciate your expertise and your poetry, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about you guys. And, and before we get going, and Paul, obviously, you're at the height of your game. 
disc golf. Dylan, you're at the height of your game, pitching a baseball and disc golf. And Reese, you're at the height of your game, Halloween costumes, com- comedy, and also let's just kick it off right here. You 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 have to explain. You have to explain. <laughs> Not only you're here because you're an awesome person and a great personality and part of our family, but why else are you here, Reese? Uh, all right. So this is we we started talking about this uh, before we got on with Paul and before we started broadcasting. But uh, uh, when Rob and I first met, we were we were doing a little interview, and I just brought up frisbee because uh, it's one of my pat. And this is for I know the difference between disc golf and frisbee, uh, which is actually a fascinating question. But uh, back in the 1970s, my uncle. Uh, went to Penn State University and went out to the Rose Bowl for the Frisbee, like Whammo Frisbee National Championship in front of like, I don't know, 50,000 people. Uh, They lost against UC Santa Barbara in the National Championship. And he was like, how do I get back out to Southern California, like on a paid trip next year? So he was like, let me learn about freestyle Frisbee, disc golf. They have every everything under the umbrella of disc sports uh, that they would have people out to the Rose Bowl to perform it. Like they had a game called Guts, which Dylan, you would probably crush it at, where they would stand about 30 yards away from each other and sprint up and throw <laughs> a disc as hard as they could at one another and try to catch it, which was an actual like collegiate sport, uh, which is nuts. Uh, but my uncle now has this fascination where he discovered disc golf. Uh, he's in the Smithsonian for Ultimate Frisbee and these other things, but he took off with. Uh, disc golf plays all around the country and all around the world, but he's now currently in Mexico in San Luis Potosi uh, at, I believe it's called Tangamanga national park, creating um, his own disc golf course with the Mexican government. So when Rob mentioned to me that Dylan, that you were designing and creating your own course uh, it, my mind, I was like, I don't even want to talk about baseball anymore right now. I was like, I would love to like get your intake on this, how you got into it. Um, and then Paul, like, obviously you guys, you're at, you know, disc golf courses every single day. So like, I would love to learn more about where you guys are at mentally with that. How do you think about designing a course? Uh, and we could just start there, but well, be- before I would love we get to hear to your takes on So what was his name, Reese? What was his name? Roger, so, Roger Shepard. Roger, so Roger Shepard, yeah, still his name currently. Still his. <laughs> That's uh, I, Paul. You just built a course in uh, Mexico over the last year, didn't you? Yeah, 2021 in La Paz, Mexico. Uh, I was originally a nine-hole course, and now it's turned into an 18-hole course. But unfortunately, the hurricane that just came through kind of wiped it away. So they're gonna they're gonna be in the rebuild process right now. But the oh, passion is still there. So, yeah. so when you hear this story, and Dylan or Paul, you can answer. When you hear this story, I first of all, like, I am, like, I don't even know, Reese. Like, man, like, you you sold that. I, you didn't need to sell it, but what a great story! What a great guy! <laughs> and, and you had you had me at Smithsonian. Um, but like, so Dylan, like, when you hear that, when you hear that, like, we we're, we're all inspired by things, right? And you, yeah. and so when you hear that, what's the thing that jumps out other than playing the game for the playing college 30 feet away, calling guts? I mean, that's, but what, what jumps out to you? Yeah, it's, uh, I guess the first thing I, I just have a couple questions of like, what's his, uh, what's his vision with it? And, uh, you know, kind of like, are they making it, are they making it like this big epic tournament style course or, you know, like a pay to play? Like what, what's the, uh, what's the plan with it? So that's a great question. It's 
I believe there. So disc golf is a growing sport. Obviously you both are yep. well aware of that. I love the publicity that it's getting. Um, also how much of a casual sport it can be versus what you're saying with uh, like tournament style. Hey, guys are coming in to make money. These are professionals. Um, and I think it's a mix of both, but it's the purpose of it is to grow the sport there. Um, it seems like they have a growing population of people who are pretty fascinated by it. It's a fairly low cost sport to get into. Um, you know, when it comes to like physicality, you don't have to be some super athlete, right? You don't have to throw a hundred miles an hour. You got You could just walk around with your discs. You could play with a minimum of, of one if you really only have one, but um, obviously it, it works to have more, but I think the goal is to grow it. Um, it's going to be a free course kind of, they're working with the park system to set it up in a way that I think works with the park itself where they're doing no real damage. They set up the chains and they set up the holes. Um, but kind of like a, a free to play, Hey, this is for everyone. This is a community benefit type thing. Um, that also brings light to the game itself. And then obviously, you know, that's where guys like you come in where people take interest in it. And then they're like, what else is out there? Like what, what else is, what's the next step for this? Like, Oh, there's a guy like Paul Macbeth who's like one of the greatest to play the game. And it's like, they can look in and be like, Oh, this is a way different activity than I ever imagined it could be. Um, So he's doing a lot of work down there with that. So I think it's still coming to, to fruition at the moment. They're still working on it, but um, yeah, I mean, after this, I could send you a whole PDF on it. Uh, it's pretty wild. I, I'm going to ask a cliche question for, for both Paul and Dylan. Um, and Paul, you can answer first. It's when did you realize, what was the moment that you realized that you were better at your, your sport, your sport, your accompanying sport than other people? Like when did that happen? So Paul, for you, because, you know, Dylan, I mean, I imagine this goes back to Little League or whatever it is. But <laughs> but so for Paul, like, what, when was that? Because that's not, you know, it's not like there's, there's Little League teams for disc golf. Yeah. Yes, actually, my background is baseball as well. Um, up until I really got into disc golf at about, really got into it at about 14. And um Back then, I actually played there was a world championship. There's amateur world championships and a junior world championships. And uh, my local course has leagues, and they had junior leagues and such. And uh, the guy there that run it was kind of just talking about, hey, you, you're really good at this. You should go play this tournament. It's in Arizona. It's a world championship. I didn't know that. I didn't know really where Arizona was. I was still kind of kind of younger. And uh, I went over there. He took me on this trip with another uh, junior player. And I went out there and took, I think, Ninth place, yeah, ninth place in 2005. Um, and I was playing in 16 and under, and I was like, okay, that's not that, that's cool, you know. I took ninth, I feel like I did done better. And as I learned more about the sport and kind of what scale that really was at, I kind of really uh dove into disc golf quite a bit more after that. I was like, if I'm the ninth best player that's under the age of 16th and 16 in the world, like, maybe I should just keep playing. And, and it was a fun activity to do after school. Uh, but not until about 2007 did I really realize how much better I was than a majority of disc golfers um, in California and 
Scott World. Was that something that you were really like focusing on getting better at, or did you naturally progress through like, oh, like you're learning stuff by yourself? Because I'm sure at that point, 2005, 2007, like you're not, there's not a ton of information out there about it. I'm sure you could go in and, and find it. But at that point, are you just like figuring out what works for you? And then, you know, later, once you see professionals or whoever it may be, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this right and I'm ahead or I have my own system for it. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, easy. So, so no easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was fortunate enough to where we had some actual local pros there in my area. So I wasn't the best one at my course and I definitely wasn't the best one in my area, Southern California. Uh, so that's where I grew up, Huntington Beach. And, uh, that was one of the, the meccas for really talented disc golfers. So I knew I wasn't the best, uh, but I knew there were some names there, and uh, I was competing with them. And uh, once I got to the professional division, I won my first professional tournament in 2007. And uh, I was kind of, and there was, there was some pretty good, good players there that were uh, world renowned at the time. And uh, kind of just took it off from there. Uh, but I always was a competitive person growing up, so I know I could always get better. I still feel like at this point in my career, I can still get a lot better. Um, sure, yeah. It just well, kind of it just came from there. I I just love the practicing part, the competing part, and uh, the training part. So I just always viewed it as like the sky's the limit. But um, but yeah, at a young age, it just it's just fun. It, it hit, just man. Fun you were you were like, it's, but that it, I'm going to tweak my question to you, Dylan. Like I'm going to tweak this because. You know, with baseball, like you said, like it's you realize that you're better, right? You throw the ball harder, you hit the ball farther, whatever it is. But here, I'm going to tweak it just a little bit. So, Dylan, when you found out that you were good at disc golf, I assume that you're good at disc golf. Are you good? Uh, I'm actually not great at disc golf. I'm I'm probably better than uh, you know. I'm better than if, if you go if you go to your local uh, store, buy a couple of disco out there, or I'll destroy you. But uh, I'm definitely not. the dudes with a Coors Light and a cigarette are gonna beat the fuck out of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You guys have been doing it for 15 years. Do all their stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but, but listen, listen, you we're, we're deeming you the best disc golf player in the history of Major League Baseball. So I think that's, that's where, fair. That's I've, fair. I've, heard, uh, I've heard of some other guys that play, but nah, I, I don't know. I don't that's all talk. You're proof. So <laughs> so when you so when you understand that like you're pretty good at it and that you have the passion for it, I mean that must be a, a feeling that you I mean you probably haven't had in sports for a long, long time, which is I would imagine a big reason why you're out there with bulldozers making courses. So I mean yeah. that that do you remember when that feeling happened and how that feeling was and and it's it's like learning a a whole new love just when you feel like okay this is going to be my athletic path yeah um so really to start off uh my twin brother got me into it probably around 2017 2018 uh and at first he would just th there was a YouTube channel called Jomez so uh, he would come home and this at the time he was still doing schoolwork and I was still living at my parents. So we would, you know, in the off season, we'd all be together and uh, he would come home and put on Joe Mez and I'd be like, what, what is this? Like, it was just highlights of these guys throwing uh, this through the woods and all these different courses. And uh, he's like, no, this is like, this is really cool. This is, you know, I play all the time, blah, blah, blah. 
So uh, uh, I eventually went out and like walked a course with him one time. And I was like, you know, I still don't know what this is. And then uh, I eventually just started trying to throw them. And it's like, like at first you try to do it, you're throwing it straight up in the air. And like, it's impossible to get to go anywhere where you want to. So uh, for whatever reason, it was just really fun to try to figure out kind of how to shape it and get it to go straight and hit your gaps. And uh, like, as soon as you get even mildly proficient at it, where you can hit a couple gaps or birdie some, some holes, it's just really satisfying. So, uh, so I kind of got into it and then COVID hit and basically all I could do was go outside and play disc golf. Nothing else was open. So me and him were playing it like, I don't know, four or five days a week, probably for a while. And, uh, I just got hooked from there and then it was just fun. You know, YouTube's got all the old tournaments. So I get to go in and, you know, spend a lot of time watching these guys like have crazy shots and do their aces and all kinds of stuff. But it's a super difficult, like it's, it's not easy. They make it look easy. It's like the same with baseball. Like it's, you, you watch and you're like, Oh, you know, it doesn't look that hard. I guess hitting does kind of look hard, but uh, yeah, disc golf is much harder than it looks. You know, you go out there and uh, it really like to get to the top level, you really got to have good form and you got to know what you're doing. So I guess that's how it all started. And then, um, for whatever reason, I, I had it on my mind that I was going to build a basically like a iconic disc golf course that like. Uh, who I, did it? Who didn't have that on their mind? I mean, come on. Yeah, most people, right, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Paul being the basically the greatest disc golf of all time, I was like, who else to design, the, you know, a legendary course than Paul? So uh, my brother now lives in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So I would go there once every offseason and we play this tournament called Title Town. And uh, I met a couple of buddies of his there that own a landscaping company. And we were just casually talking about disc golf, whatever. I was like, man, I'd really like to buy some beautiful land, build a course, like kind of start a business, make it pay to play. Like basically see if if I could both build a really legendary course and make it like a business to where it would pay for itself. And it would be something that was financially worthwhile as well. On top of, you know, hopefully being good for the game of, of disc golf and me being able to use kind of baseball to, to market it as well and tie it all together. Uh, and they're like, yeah, we, you know, our dream, we've always wanted to build and own a course as well. So it kind of just, we just sent each other some, some, you know, like links to different land in the area. And then somehow we found this land that was in the price range. That was the perfect size, all of that. That was really cool. Had all these unique features and uh, then I called Paul and I think Paul at first didn't want me to do it because he didn't want me to, to risk the money. But after I hit the uh, bonuses for like the pre-arb stuff and had a little, <laughs> like, all right, you can put a little bit into this if you want. I'll come design it. So he was he like, was, you're making how much? Oh, yeah, you can build it. <laughs> yeah. So he was, uh, and land in Tuscaloosa is not crazy expensive. So it wasn't like I was risking, you know, everything I had. It was kind of just like. I don't know. To me, it was just, it was like a worthwhile risk to see if I could build like a brand or do something creative and cool in disc golf. And then uh, funny enough, so Paul comes and designs it and we spend like two days out there and there's a camera crew and everything with, with the disc golf network. And then like a week later, Paul calls me and goes, Hey, uh, would you want another course? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah, what do you got? And he's like, well, the uh, basically the number one course in Florida is uh is either is about to be sold to for development to build houses on and uh i i think we can get it for the same price and he had a vision of turning it into a really epic disc golf course and 
something that could also be profitable as well. Because obviously there's always, if we're putting big money into it or putting money into it, there is the economic uh, component of it. Where, yeah, it's not like, you know. What goes in, you you mentioned it multiple times, but like you or Paul or whoever can chime in on this, but it the thing that sticks out when you say this is like you, you're building an epic course and like what, what is that what does that mean to you guys comparatively to let's say like uh you know pay to play but it might be cheaper might be free whatever where it's just pretty casual where they use the land like let there's one in seattle that's free you show up and it's in the it's like a square block and it's just 18 holes over one another it's a nightmare but like what goes into something that would be considered an epic course like for you guys well you can (laughs) <laughs> my personal course in Huntington Beach that I played was based in old dump, you know, very similar to that where holes would crisscross and things like that, but it's one of the most popular courses in the world. Um, yeah. But I would call that an epic course or anything like that. Um, it's a fun one. It's a great one to learn on and, and learn about the sport, but I think it's all about the land and the terrain. Um, that makes a big thing, and then the shapes of the holes, the, the style of holes, um, the shot shaping and all that stuff. So if you can fit all of that into one course, I think that's what really makes the course. Uh, and so you, and you also said, epic. sorry to cut you off there, but you did you're say, uh, I don't know, Dylan said you're working with a landscaping company when it comes to this. So is this something where you're using the natural terrain or the geography of the place that's already there? Or are you guys building your own, like, are you coming in with mounds of dirt and like, you're making so, hills, you're making inclines, declines, all that stuff. So the uh, one... Both of these, yeah, both of these courts are very natural, I would say, in that aspect. Yeah. Okay. But uh, so basically the one in Alabama is like the raw, the land was extremely raw and we've had to do everything from scratch, whether that's like clear the fairways and, uh, you know, or make the parking lot, different stuff like that. Um, and there's a there's a big component, which we, we have an Instagram cactus rock DG where we're posting videos of kind of the different uh, different snapshots of kind of what it's been looking like, you know, but I mean, we could, basically my my partners are out there in skid steers a couple hours a day uh, leveling, clearing and they're like they're smart enough with it to where they'll they'll look at it and go, OK, we have to we have to have an area here that goes lower to drain the water to this area to do this and that. So they're like good with that. But uh, there's been, there's been a ton of basically, basically turning raw wooded land into, you know, a a usable walkable um, course. And it's been a ton of work, but the, the, the results so far are, extremely epic so yeah my, sure. hopes for it, my hopes for it are uh it, it gets put on the pro tour as well um it's definitely it's definitely a pro tour uh worthy course i mean it, this thing is insane it, it really is a, a crazy course but uh, there's probably a lot of factors that go into it but uh yeah our course in florida basically was was almost already complete it was the old quarry so it's like it's basically the uh, the only course in Florida that has elevation change. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's so yeah. funny. So it's, well, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's it's one of the highest points in in Florida that's not the Panhandle. So it's like right. hundred feet above sea level, yeah. and then it's, it's like a landfill. Yeah, and well, then it's then it's a quarry. So you got like three hundred plus foot straight down drops. So you're throwing oh, nice. up there straight down. Nice. Paul, so I know you're going to jump off, but I, before you do, um, I wanted to ask you so that you said you played baseball. 
the great game of baseball. Uh, what's your history with baseball? And, and more importantly, when you talk about, I find this fascinating, talking about this sort of the dynamic of a throw compared to a pitch and shaping mm-hmm. and I, everything that Dylan's talking about, like, I'm like, oh my goodness, this has been drilled in our head when it comes to covering pitchers and, and everything. But for you, number one, what's your, your baseball history? And number two, how do you view the two core, the correlation of the two? Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I started playing baseball when I was super young, um, you know, four years old. Uh, and then I got out of it when I was about just turning 20. Um, so I got into disc golf about 14, so I was kind of playing both at the, at the same time there. But it, it's funny because baseball and disc golf, I think as far as the fundamentals as like the physical side of your body are very similar. You know, it's kind of rotating and things like that. You think just because you throw a baseball, you should be able to throw a disc, but it's actually more like hitting. And that's probably something that for Dylan, for example, he's actually a great hitter. He's got one of the best batting averages in all of baseball. You know? <laughs> Did you pay him to say that? Was <laughs> <laughs> it 330 or something like that, Dylan? 375. <laughs> so, uh, so it's actually more like swinging a bat than actually throwing a ball. Um, so that's what I really compared it to. If you look at like something like someone swinging as smooth as you know, Ken Griffey Jr., a throw is very similar, and if you got the silhouettes, they kind of look alike. Um, so, I, yeah, I was very good. I, I didn't have power, you know, as much as I was a very good contact hitter in baseball. So I think that's really where my shot has come from and being accurate with the power as well. But um, definitely not the longest throw in the game, but that's not the point of the game. It's the score the best. So. Well, Paul, I, I, you probably have to jump off. So uh, I appreciate your time, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, I do unfortunately have a call in a couple minutes, but this is so, fine. Hopefully we can do it again. Oh, no, listen. I mean, it's it's an honor and a privilege, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, so, Dylan, I don't know if you could hang for a little bit or – Got some time. Okay, awesome. Yeah. All right. Hey, Paul, nice to meet you, man. Thanks for coming on today, buddy. Yeah, you as well. And then uh, did you say it was Ken Shepard or what was his first name? Uh, Ken Shepard is my grandfather, but Roger Shepard. Yeah, look him up. He's in uh, San Luis Potosi. So I could send okay. you some info after this. Though. Okay. Is, does Ken Shepard play disc golf? Uh, Ken Shepard is 85 years old and does not play disc golf, but Roger Never Shepard has. does. Okay. I, know, I know it's Ken <laughs> Shepard. Okay. So no. appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, it's great talking with you guys. All right, Paul. Thanks, yeah, man. man. Stay in touch. Thank you. Okay. See you guys. Okay. The uh, so so Dylan, <laughs> this leads me to a question I have, which is the shaping of a throw compared to a pitch. No, I'm getting deep. And by no. the way, like, is there anything you can't do? Like, only like hit 375, pitch a baseball, the best disc golf player in the history of baseball, and a poet. Um, but <laughs> I just want to get that out there. I'm just building up your Wikipedia page. Um, but for so i know is that like a cliche question i i, I don't you know it, it seemed like a logical one but when you throw like you you want to hit a spot you want to hit the exact spot yeah. you want to be able so is there any correlation is there anything to that what i'm talking about i think well the the throw is so different the disc golf like backhand throw is so different from a baseball throw that mechanically they're not super alike but in terms of like having to hit a spot, it, I actually think disc golf is a little more, there's a little more to it because 
you have discs that will do different things. So like an understable disc will be uh, like if you're right-handed, it'll naturally want to go to the to the right. Overstable will want to go to the left. So like you could have a fairway that is like 200 feet straight and then cuts to the right. So you're going to want to take an understable disc and just throw it level and let the disc go that way. Or it could be an extreme angle. So you have to take an understable disc, put it on this angle, hit your spot and hope you just do it on the right angle. So it's kind of similar in the sense of like, there's the accuracy component. There's the the aiming and hitting your spot component, but mechanically it's pretty different. But I think one of the most similar things actually is, and I've noticed it this off season because you know, I really don't get to play very much because Obviously, you know, baseball, it's it's I don't get to play at all basically during the season. And uh, so when I come back in the offseason, I'm, I'm rusty whenever I play anyways. But uh, so for this year, I decided like with my putting, which is a really important part of disc golf, uh, which is probably like the hardest part. Uh, I decided like, all right, all I'm doing is focusing on a chain or a little target. You know, like I'm not doing anything mechanical. I'm not focusing on how I'm spinning at all that other stuff. And uh, this is the best my putting's ever been in the limited amount of time I've played. So it's kind of similar to baseball, where sometimes you just keep it simple and put your eye on the target, and uh, you get the best results. That's, so you say you don't play during the season. How do you not? And maybe you did. I play like twice a year. Yeah. But how do you not go at at one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon, or one o'clock in the afternoon? Just bump it up. Go out to this that this great. You know, built-in course of a baseball stadium. You you don't go out there and do it at all. You know, it's it, funny you mentioned that. Uh, I, every time I go out and play, I, I text Paul, and I'm always like, "Hey, I'm texting you because if I have a ten strikeout game or a big game, I'm gonna have to add disc golf to my like routine." <laughs> and I I swear, almost almost every time I play disc golf, I have a big game for some reason. So there might be something to it. Might have to incorporate into my routine. I love That's it. Like the, it's, it's the mental, it. it's the disconnect too. It's like regular. It's like pitchers yeah. go out there and they're like, "Oh, I can go just True. do this thing." That's so fun. You yeah. gotta, you know, what you gotta do. You gotta get a bunch of discs for next season. Bring them into the locker room and just be like, "If anybody wants to play, I'll be on the concourse. You meet me out there." I bet dudes would come out and play with you just at the stadium. Don't I've, I've, uh, I've taken, I've taken some guys out, taking some guys out disc golfing. But yeah, we should set up. Uh, I got some temporary baskets. I should bring there. And- Oh, they would fire. I'd be, I bet they'd be fired up for it. Oh, the focus. Are you kidding me? Like this is this. It's not a coincidence, <laughs> man, that you're pitching so well after you do this. Yeah. I, it, it, and, and you know how they have like Spartan races and things at stadiums. How do they not have tournaments like disc golf tournaments at stadium? I, we can probably set that up. Ah, I'm thinking of things all oh, over the place. Totally set yeah. It let's, up. let's go. Let's go. You Basically, said, uh, yeah, Dylan, you said, uh, you're, you're trying to get this, uh, your courses like to the point where they could be used on the tour. Is that what you said? Well, the one in Florida, the one in Florida next year will be the first uh, course on tour. So that was already sick. Oh, congrats. That's awesome. I didn't know how far into the process it is. That's awesome. Um, But I went to, I went to college at Winthrop university in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Yeah. So during the season, we would like the whole, like part of the athletic fields and everything would get shut down and we would have, you know, weekend games or whatever, and we would just be practicing and they would th- like discs would just be not for the pro guys, but people wanting to like go and practice and shit. But they yeah. would be there's holes that are all around our baseball stadium. So we would just yeah. see like a disc fly over the left field fence. They'd be like, <laughs> hey, can you uh, 
he tossed that back. And I'm like, hey, Paul Macbeth, what's up? Uh, but yeah, dude, uh, we would go out there and it's like, a, I bet you could do something with temporary discs around some of the stadiums and get like, first off, great content out of it. But I mean, that would be a pretty fun thing to do. We get yeah. a bunch of ball players out there doing that. Yeah, it would be, it'd definitely be good content. That's all. That's what it's all about. Let's go. Um, <laughs> so, um, so like you said, you got the place in Tuscaloosa. You got the place in Florida. I want to make sure that we get the word out, Dylan, that, yep. you know, anything you want to get the word out about. Um, I'm at the GM meetings. We're talking baseball. It's such an honor and privilege and relief to talk about something other than baseball, to be honest <laughs> with you. It's it, but, but the correlation between the two. But is there anything you want to jump out? Uh, yeah. So Paul and I are going to be uh, basically rebranding isn't the right term. So he, he owns a company right right now called Supreme Flight. Uh, and he and I are going to be uh, getting that going as well and uh, and uh, doing some th- some things with that company. So uh, we're definitely gonna have to get you some Supreme Flight merch. Oh. Yeah. Get Let's you some merch. And uh, maybe maybe when we get it up and running, we can do another one of these and kind of talk about our vision with that company. Oh, and we can, we get Reese's uncle on too. Yeah. Dude, that that guy will talk your ear off with some specifics. That guy is a (laughs) smart guy and he knows what he's talking about. He would let, he'll talk to you for an hour about it, but uh, yeah. What was the, what was the Instagram you said earlier too? Uh, If you want to repeat that. Uh, Cactus rock DG. Cactus rock DG. All right. All right. So we're going to get the word out and, and I'm really jacked up about the first, Dylan Cease Invitational uh, Disc Golf Tournament <laughs> at, at Guaranteed Rate Field. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Um, so the last thing is, I'd have to, I have I would be remiss if I – how's baseball going? <laughs> how's baseball going? I haven't, uh, I haven't touched the baseball in a while. Uh, Good for you. I'm, uh, I'm back lifting, doing shoulder care, getting the body ready. So uh, it's I'm definitely feeling refreshed. You know, this, this season was pretty tough, so – uh, it took me a little bit mentally to recover, um, but I feel refreshed and really motivated right now. So uh, I'm just basically I'm back in my phase of listening to David Goggins and reading David Goggins books and just getting my mind and body and, you know, putting everything I have into it kind of thing. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. Man, David Goggins books. Yeah. You know David Goggins, right? I have no idea. And no, I, he has some poetry. And I feel stupid saying that, but I'm going to put myself out there and say I have no idea. He's a seal who basically he just does has done incredible, incredible things, and uh, his whole thing is mental strength, basically, and how to develop mental strength and grit and all that. So, um, I mean, you watch this guy's YouTube, you read his book, you're going to want to like. You're gonna to want to go out and run through a brick wall. So uh, I just try to kind of in the off season take as much as that as I can and utilize that for my training because you know it can be when you're doing anything physical it can be uh, challenging and you you can be tempted to not want to get up and do it. So uh, yeah, I'm just trying to trying to be more like him in that sense. What is the, what is the thing that you got better at this year? Like so. Congratulations, because I picked, I mean, I say congratulations because this is how highly I think of you beyond what you've done for the book and for Joe and for poetry and disc golf and all this. I picked you to win the Cy Young because I think that highly of you, and I'll do it again next year. 
I vow you to you right now, I will do that. But what okay. is it? What is the thing? So what is the thing that you, you have evolved over the course of this year that you got better at or that you learn? I think, I think a big thing is I've kind of learned that like tinkering with your mechanics when things aren't going right, isn't always a, a great idea or a great way to fix it. Um, for instance, kind of towards the end of the year, I really just, instead of tinkering with my body, I just started visualizing a lot more and try to use my mind and uh, sort of, I guess, trust, trust my body, if I guess would be the right word. Um, yeah. So, you know, I guess from that standpoint, anytime you have a full, another full season of experience, you've gained that much more reps and experience. And this year I can look at it as like, maybe I learned a lot of what not to do, you know, and that's, that's less fun than the Cy Young year where, you know, everything's going right and you're, you know, it's all effortless, but um, you know, this year was hard mentally, physically and in every way. So um, I think inevitably that that's bound to make me stronger. Um, Like I said, I learned that not to get too crazy mechanical if things aren't going right. And uh, yeah, ultimately, um, I think having a season like that has made me more hungry than I've been in a while to kind of go out and show that I'm um, I'm better than what I was able to produce last year. See, you're my David Goggins. Me, I'm ready to fire. I'm fired <laughs> up. Reese, you got anything to, to finish off with here? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, first off, that's a great mindset. I mean, just as like a former player, obviously not to that extent, but like sometimes that is like the hyper focus can lead to like almost backtrack right like you can get into the like a lot of guys don't talk about the the mental headspace sometimes which uh it's all there all the time especially in a 162 game year um but even like to loop it back into what we've been talking about here like i i learned when i was playing at a high level that like sometimes having something else to also hyper focus on maybe it's disc golf maybe it's whatever it is you know maybe it's poetry for some guys who who knows but sometimes that can lead to uh, and that can lead to to growth. And uh, I mean, you got a you got a great mindset on it. And you know, learning from from the hardships is what's going to make you you That's know a great blast point. off into that upper echelon. So yeah, I, cool I to hear up a new hobby. Uh, I think I pick up a new hobby about every six months as well. Keep me going. Hey, there you go. Hell what, yeah! What, what are some what, other ones you got? You got yeah, anything else? I was going to say. Yeah, I got uh, so painting. Um, I'm I'm considering yours in the back. Yeah, I got a, I got a couple hung up right now. Uh, oh, nice! I'll tell you what. I'll show you my uh, I'll show you my spring spring training inspired one. I'll get you guys this. Oh, nice! Let's go. I, I love it. Hey, <laughs> nice! That's awesome. Cacti, I love that's, it. Uh, painting's hard for me because I can't draw. So <laughs> everything I have to do, you, I just you using acrylics or oil or what? What do you got? Yeah, acrylic. I just okay. there, like. Something like that. Get I think. into oil painting and really feel like you don't know what you're doing. That's yeah, a fun. I've, <laughs> I've, I've researched it. And I'm like, there's like eight steps to cleaning your brush. I, I can't do this right now. I don't have the time for it. Yeah, it's it perfect. All you got to do is, it's like you can just throw it. Paint them. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, painting was really great for me. Um, I started doing that end of 2022 when I was kind of getting a little burnt out and it really recharged me. So I would consider uh, entrepreneurship as well with, with my disc golf. That's why it's cool that disc golf has kind of turned into two hobbies because sure. now it's, uh, you know, there's kind of the business element of it and the, uh, <laughs> you know, 
buying land, starting LLCs, handling kind of all that stuff. That's uh, as much as sometimes it's not pleasant. It's it's really fun to like have a vision and try to be creative with it and see if you can make something successful. And uh, getting to partner with Paul on disc golf is uh, I'm very lucky to be able to do it. So yeah, we're hoping we're hoping to do some big things with it. Man, it's so cool. And I'm going to finish things off and put you on the spot. Can you recite your poem off the top of your head? Ooh. No, honestly, I haven't even, I haven't read it, thought about it. Uh, I haven't I seen it. Oh. I, I, I came in ill prepared. Well, I'll, I'll say it. I'll put it at the beginning. I'll, I'll put it at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. but Dylan, man, it was, it's, it's obviously like so fun being talking with you guys and, uh, and anything we're on your team, man, we're on your team to, to get this thing going in any way you can and and uh i feel like we have the right combination of people between reese who is uh obviously disc golf royalty paul yourself <laughs> and then i'm just here um but thanks man i really appreciate it yeah i appreciate it thanks for having me Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.